Good morning, everybody. It's a real honor for me to share with you this morning. And I really trust that whatever I will be sharing from my own life will, will be an encouragement to you. And it will not only be an encouragement, but it's going to transform your life. I really know that with all of my heart. So I, I started 2015 on a, on a quite a high note. I, my son started grade one which is normally quite a challenge for most moms. You know, your little one going to school and now there's homework. And I was warned that this is quite daunting. And I said to Vian, no, 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 we're not going to let grade one, you know, intimidate us. I thought, how can grade one intimidate you? But I was, I was warned that, you know, this, it, it can be quite, a, quite daunting. So I, I psyched Vian up. I said, no, we're going to enjoy it. It's going to be nice. So this is what happened. We actually had quite a glorious first term we loved, even, well, I don't know if my, my poor son loved the homework, but even I enjoyed the homework part. It was, I just, I just saw the growth in him. And I mean, we did everything, hey, tennis and cricket and swimming. And we just, I had quite a, an amazing time. And God gave me a heart for, for the, the parents in his class. And, and even just the, the, his friends, I started praying almost daily for the, for the, for the children by name, and I put a class photo next to my computer. Uh, I'll, I'll show you the cl- there's the class photo. Aren't they adorious? Adorious, Ador- <laughs> glorious, adorious. It's adorious. Hey? It is adorious. I, I started praying. It's a nitskeping, a nitske, sonika nitskeping. I started praying for them by name. I learned all the, all the children's names. I thought, you know, if I can't connect to the parents, I'm going to connect to the, to the children in Vian's class. And oh, God just gave me such a vision for, for the class. And this is how my year started. I had a, I had a great term. I slept well. I, I just I felt good. Life was good. First term, 2015. Then Andre left for missions uh, during the school holidays. And I remember Kuba and I were waiting for our husbands to come back. Dion was also on missions. The Saturday afternoon, Kuba and I had a, had, a, had a coffee and the boys were playing. We were thinking about our husbands coming back and missions. And, you know, and we were talking about it. And an hour later, I got a message from Andre that his passport was stolen. I know you're really tired of this story, but I just want to give you my version for those of you who don't know, his passport was stolen for the few visitors we might have. And just before they came back from missions, and that incident kicked off quite a, quite a different season from the first term in my life. So where the first term was this, you know, taking a new primary for Jesus, you know, I thought grade seven, all the kids are going to be saved in Vian's class. You know, I was strategically... Uh, getting all the phone numbers of the parents and checking their birthdays on Facebook. And, you know, I was just connecting. I was, <laughs> I was in such a, you know, I just had such a burning desire. And then all of a sudden it changed after that one incident when Andre's passport was stolen and it was quite a big mission to get him back into South Africa. I know, I know um, he landed 30 hours later than he should have landed, which sounds like, you know, I mean, it's just this easy. It wasn't easy. <laughs> it was quite stressful. 
I call it a stressful miracle, okay? Some people prayed, and somebody had to actually sort it out, which was me. <laughs> or oh, well, sort quite a big part of it out. But in any case, it, it kicked off a season that was very different to my first term. And, and I was confronted, I think the best way I can describe it to you is I was confronted with, with many things, old things, or things I really thought I dealt with was just knocking on my door again. But it was all of a sudden many things all at the same time, and it was knocking really hard on, on my heart, on my life, on my mind, on every part of my being. I started battling to sleep, uh, which I have battled with before, but God really set me free from that. I started battling again. I battled with quite a few different emotions and thoughts, anything from condemnation, guilt, depression, fear, and it was just coming for me. And it was all happening after Andre's passport was stolen. So I was confronted with many questions, you know, did I sin? Did I do something wrong? Did my great, 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 great grandmother did something wrong? And now all of a sudden it's time for me to be punished for it. You know, how the devil works, you know, it's all these kind of different thoughts. You know, is God actually still in control? Is the devil powerful? You know, you go through all these kind of questions and what, what I've learned, what I've seen, is that often when you move from a, from a time where you really feel on top of the world all of a sudden into a time that you can't really explain in the natural because, yes, his passport was stolen. Yes, it was stressful to get him back into the country. But surely, you know, it, it doesn't deserve this kind of storm that I went through, and God clearly showed us that as soon as we move into a season where we take ground for Jesus, or we are about to take ground, we are about to, to take land in the spirit, the devil is not happy with that. It doesn't mean that he can just do with us what he wants. It doesn't mean that he's so powerful that he can just take us out. It's not what I'm saying. But he's not happy whenever we move forward in our walk with the Lord. Or whenever we move into new territory. Whenever we move into a new territory in the spirit, the devil gets upset. Okay, I know some of you, maybe some of you don't even believe in the devil. But he is real. The spiritual realm is real. And please do yourself a favor and listen to Andre's sermon of last week. He explained quite a bit of the spiritual realm, but maybe you've experienced something like this before. You mind your own business, you go, you go through life happy, and then all of a sudden you start dating a girl, or you start dating a guy, and you are confronted with things. It's, it knocks, it knocks on your door, or you get married for that matter. Eh? You feel you've dealt with everything you can possibly deal with, now you get married, and you think, Oh my goodness, is this thing still inside of me? Or you go on missions, for that matter, hey? You go on missions, you come back, and all of a sudden you are confronted with things of your past that you feel you didn't even know that it exists anymore. Or you sign up for Encounter 4, hey? <laughs> Different ball game, all of a sudden. Because the moment we start closing the gaps, 
and rebuilding our walls or moving into new territory, the devil gets upset. So if we never want to upset the devil, please don't go on missions or don't get married or don't do anything, okay? Just put yourself in a glass uh, cage and just sit there and he might leave you alone. He might. He might just leave you alone. (laughs) But I think all of us have experienced that sometimes we move into new territory, even if it's just a dating relationship, a marriage relationship, going on missions, uh, doing a fast, seeking the Lord with a new urgency. And then all of a sudden, it's not necessarily a pleasant experience always, but there's resistance in the spirit. Okay, anybody that's in any way relating to what, to what I'm saying, okay? We experience resistance, and sometimes it catches us by surprise because surely we're seeking God. So what is this war all about? You know, why do we experience resistance? What is this? Am I doing something wrong? Because let me tell you, it's the first lie that the devil tells you, you are doing something wrong. So I want to take you to, uh, to a scripture in Isaiah 4 verse 6. That says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And this is why we are talking about these things over the last two weeks. Because like Andre said just now, that often we go through seasons or stages in our lives and we want to attribute whatever we we experience to a natural cause. Or we want to find a natural solution purely because of a lack of knowledge. Purely because we don't clearly see what is, what is going on? My, my son told me a, a couple of weeks ago, they had this interesting conversation in the class. One of his friends said, no, there are ghosts in other countries. So, so Vian told the class, apparently this is now what he shares with me. He said to the class, there aren't ghosts. It is just demons that pretend to be ghosts. <laughs> now, now the class is like, now apparently one said, so everybody agrees with Vian. Raise your hands. Everybody agrees with Vian. And then there was this whole debate in the class. And then Vian said to me, Mommy, I wish all my friends can come to Shofar, that they can understand these things. <laughs> it is so precious. Because for him, you see, obviously the, the topic of ghosts and these things have come up between me and my son. And I said to him, Vian, there's really nothing to be afraid about. Ghosts? don't exist. It's just demons. Okay, for those of you not familiar with demons, listen to Andre's sermon of last week. But the devil once was an angel in heaven. He was kicked out because he wanted to be like God. This is a nutshell, okay, a nutshell uh, story. Go and, you can go and read up on this in, in the book of Ezekiel. But there's a third of the angels that was kicked out with the devil they are at war with mankind. I know it sounds like a fairy tale, but this is the reality in the spirit. So it has come up between me and Vian, and I just say to him, don't worry, they aren't aliens. They aren't ghosts, you know. It's all just demons who pretend to be these things to scare people, to frighten them, to freak them out, to get them distracted, whatever you want to call it. So... And Vian said, Mommy, I wish all of my friends can come to Shafar, that they can learn about these things. And it was so precious to me because I realized I've, I've explained something to him that he can 
carry with him for the rest of his lives, rest of his life. He's not afraid of ghosts because he knows the devil is just pretending to be something because he wants to scare him. So he's got no fear of something called a ghost. And it's because he has been equipped. He's been equipped with the truth in terms of a small portion of the spiritual realm. And this is really what I'm, I'm trusting the Lord to do this morning. We have to be equipped. We have to be equipped so that whenever we experience a certain emotion or a certain thought or a certain condition, even physically, that we know is this natural, is it spiritual. We are body, soul, and spirit. And yes, sometimes it's a natural thing that should be treated naturally. Okay, sometimes we, we must just drink more water. Amen? Where's the dietitians in the house? <laughs> sometimes we must just eat our fruit and our veggies and drink more water. All right? Andre and I are very, we, we're not super spiritual and see everything, you know, that everything is spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. And yes, sometimes there's a natural cause and a natural solution. But let me tell you, most often, most often we miss the spiritual impact and the spiritual cause of many things that is happening to us. So I want to take you to a, a scripture in Nehemiah. Remember I said the moment we start rebuilding walls and closing gaps in the spirit. And by, by saying that, I mean the moment we start a, a process of restoration like many of you did over this weekend. It was, that was glorious, eh? Glorious. <laughs> Encounter 4, it was such an amazing weekend where God just brought so much restoration. But often when we start pursuing a process of restoration in our lives, it, it represents rebuilding a wall and closing gaps and positioning ourselves in a safe place. Often when we start doing that, the devil gets angry. Because there is a war, there's a resistance in the spirit. So let me, let me take you to the scripture in Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man who was called back to Jerusalem to, to rebuild the walls. Okay? He had a mandate, he had an assignment from God. And we really felt over the weekend that God is giving assignments to people. He's giving assignments. I even had a word for somebody. I literally saw like envelope with a name on and a letter inside that God is giving to that person. And I felt it's an assignment. It's a task. God is giving all of us something specific to do. And that is our assignment. So this was Nehemiah's assignment. He went back to Jerusalem. He started to rebuild the wall. Now listen to this interesting scripture. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, all of those people, <laughs> Heard, they heard, they only heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were be beginning to close, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. So I want you to know that they became very angry and they conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. Now, you, you need to go and read. Nehemiah 4, 5, and 6 to get the whole picture. But there was these people and these groups that came against Nehemiah. They became angry because they didn't want the walls to be restored and they 
They conspired. They made plans. They were scheming to create confusion. Now, this is what often happens when we start rebuilding our lives spiritually. The devil brings confusion. You don't know, is this spiritual? Is this me? Is this the devil? Is this God? What is going on? We often go through seasons like that, and then because we don't have a spiritual understanding of what is happening, we get confused. And I just want to highlight three things to you this morning. That in a time where we experience spiritual pressure or a spiritual war, or maybe just going through a difficult season in the natural, or it seems natural, but what happens, sometimes there is a natural thing that happens. Something happens at work or in your family, but the devil jumps on it, okay? And he, and he brings emotions and, and thoughts and things that is not you, but it's from the outside because he wants to create confusion. So the first, the first principle I just want to share with you that will help when there's confusion is the devil has no power over Christians unless we give it to him. We taught this over the weekend as well. The devil has no power over you as a born-again Christian unless we give it to him. If you haven't moved from a place where you've made Jesus king and lord of your life, yes, the devil does have legitimate access to your heart. So this is our first step. We have to move from a place of darkness to a place of light where we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. This is the very first step of positioning ourselves in the right place. But the, the moment we get there, where Jesus sits on your throne, the devil has no legitimate power to mess with us unless we give it to him. And there are three ways in which we can give it to him after we become born-again Christians. If we, if we have sin in our lives that is unconfessed and on, uh, it's, it's hidden. So you are battling with something specific and you're not talking about it and it's in the dark. It gives the devil, it doesn't mean that you're going to hell, it's not what I'm saying. It just means that the devil has access to come and mess with you and torment you, make you feel guilty, condemned ashamed and it 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 pushes you further into that big black hole okay through things like shame guilt condemnation it gives him legal access the moment we share it and this is what made this weekend so powerful there were so many things shared and the moment we share it the moment we bring it into the light that power is broken amen this is really really powerful and it's it's really crucial to understand that if we are battling with anything, but we walk in the light, the devil has no right to torment us. It's, it's liberating. It's powerful. So even if you are battling with quite a severe uh, uh, addiction or something, if you walk in the light, if you bring it into the light, and you, you talk about it, and you pray with somebody about it, the devil can't torment you. The, the spirit of condemnation and guilt and shame is broken. Amen? It's when it's not in the light. Then the devil can mess with us. Otherwise, he can't. If we have unforgiveness in our hearts, unforgiveness is a whole big topic on its own. But if we have something in our hearts against somebody else and we have not forgiven, the devil has legal access to torment us. 
This is why this is, I think this is one of the most amazing, beautiful principles we can teach to our children. You know, I, I, we taught Vian since the age of four. I was, I was amazed that he can grasp it at the age of four. That if he doesn't forgive, his heart is going to become sick. He totally understands it. He totally understands it. So in our home, we often say, I am sorry, and we often say, I forgive you. It's beautiful. You know, it's, I think we often feel we need to be perfect, you know, as parents. We're well, not perfect, but we need to portray a perfect relationship to our children, not to scar them. And I think we so make a mistake, you know, to try and, you know, people say, don't fight in front of your children. And I think that's not a big deal, you know. Obviously, there's rules when you, when you have an argument in your home. You don't scream, you don't shout, you don't throw things around. But if there's uh, in our home, I don't know what the rules are in your house. <laughs> However, you know, it's really so beautiful for Vian to experience that Andre and I can have a disagreement, but we can say, I'm sorry and I forgive you. And it's the same with between me and, and, and Vian where, you know, I can tell him, I'm sorry, my boy, I was impatient, or I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, and he just tells me, it's okay, mommy, I forgive you. And then he runs off. It's like, it, as if it never happened. It's, I tell you, if we can teach that to our children, I wish somebody taught me at the age of four the power of forgiveness. He is so free. You know, even when he gets a hiding, we go through, do you understand why this happened? Yes, mommy. Uh, so do you want to say anything to me? Yes, mommy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then I tell him, I forgive you. It's done. It's over. Then he runs to Andre and says, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about my bad attitude. Then Andre will tell him, I forgive you. It's fine. And he totally understands the moment we say, I forgive you, it's, we don't even think about it again. So there's so much restoration all the time happening because of repentance and forgiveness in our home. So I just want to encourage you. I know it's hard to forgive. We can't do it in our own strength. But if we don't do it, our hearts become sick. The devil has a legal right to make our hearts sick. And by forgiving, we break that power. He's got no right to torment you if you have forgiven. He can also torment us when we believe lies. And I'm just going to trust the Lord now. I'm just going to pray that God will reveal lies because all of us, all of us believe lies in a, in a big or a small portion. But they, all of us have certain things that we are convinced of. You're even convinced it's part of your personality and it's not. So I, I'm just going to pray right now. Father, I thank you that you will show us. I pray, God, that you will reveal to each one of us at least one or two lies that we believe about our personality, about our future, about our past, about you, God, your character. Any lie, any lie, any deception, anything, God, that we are totally convinced of. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you'll shine your light and that you'll show us the lie and that you'll show us the truth in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
There's no sin too great for God to forgive. Okay, I really feel some of you are at a point in your life, you feel there's certain things that has happened in your life and it's, it's too big to overcome. It's too big for God to actually either forgive or fix or sort out. It's a lie. It's a lie that anything you've ever been through is too hard for God to change. Okay? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything impossible, impossible with God? No. But the devil is really trying hard to convince us that your condition, your situation, whatever you're battling with, is impossible for God to do something about. It is a lie. And so there are many, many, many lies in our hearts. And the moment we agree with it, we, the moment we agree with it and we say, yes, this lie is, you know, I'm, I don't have a future. I don't have a, I'm never going to get married. The moment you agree with that, it gives the devil legal access to torment you, to bring depression. Okay, if I say legal access, to torment you, I mean he will bring an emotion or a condition that will make it worse. Depression, fear, anxiety, shame, sleeplessness, whatever. Okay? But the moment we say, that is a lie, it's not the truth. It's not the truth. The moment we see it and the moment we start confessing the truth, instead of, instead of agreeing with a lie, the devil can't bring depression. He can't bring shame. He can't bring fear because the power is broken. Okay, does it make sense to you? Okay, the second thing that principle that we need to understand is often when we are dumped into a, into a battle, sometimes feel as if we're dumped into it, it, it comes in waves and it will pass. It will pass. It will not last forever because in the middle of a difficult season, it literally feels as if it will never end. So, which is another lie. The truth is, it it comes in waves and it will pass. Now, I want to show you a very interesting scripture in Joshua. Remember that the Old Testament has been written and given to us to teach us. And many things in the Old Testament, like... Even just the Israelites moving from Egypt through the Red Sea, in the desert, into the promised land. That was a physical experience, but it, it represents our spiritual lives today. It represents something that, that is connected to our, our spirit. Not only, it's not only a pretty Bible story, okay? It's there for a reason. Now, when, when Joshua had to take the promised land, it represents... Our spiritual land that we need to take, and there is resistance. There were many people coming against them. So why does it often feel that in our spiritual journey, we go one step forward, and then we go five steps back? Okay, if anyone ever experienced that? You literally move one step forward, you, yes! You know, like, um, where's Karin this morning? Jumping up and down, yes, I like it. <laughs> Why does it often feel that just after we share our testimony, hey, now we're like, oh my goodness, why did I share my testimony? If people must see me now, today, you know, it's so embarrassing. 
You know, I just shared my testimony yesterday and look at me today. Why does that happen? I want to show you a very interesting scripture. Joshua 11, verse 19 19 and 20. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel. This is now in the promised land, okay? Joshua has had the assignment. He must conquer the land. It was war, okay? They were killing each other. It's, it's, It's war. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except that one. The inhabitants of, of, of Gibeon and all the others they took in battle. Okay, so listen to this. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them. What does this, what, what does this mean? What God showed me is often... You feel you had a breakthrough. And then two or three days later, it feels as if it's coming for you again. Or it's coming for you from a different angle. Or it's coming for you, something else is coming for you. So it feels as if that breakthrough you had was not a real breakthrough. And what God showed me is, no, it was a real breakthrough. But there's something else coming for you, and God is hardening that thing's heart because God wants to utterly destroy them. So it's not you that didn't experience breakthrough. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not doing anything wrong. It's purely because you're going through a process, you're taking your land, and God is hardening the hearts of your enemies. We're talking spirit now, okay? Remember, there's a devil. There are demons. They are at war with us. And they will look for anything to keep you from restoration. It will keep, anything will keep you from, not only restoration, but, but fulfilling the assignment that God has given you. So, sometimes it feels as if it doesn't stop coming for us. Surely we must be doing something wrong. God. Should I fast? Should I? Surely, God, there must be sin in my, you know, how many generations before me? There must be something wrong because it's not stopping. And then God showed me the scripture. It was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle. That he might utterly destroy them. God wants to do a sovereign work in us. So we can't just give up. We can't just give up. If you move one step forward and you feel that you are 10 back, you're not really 10 back. It is just something else. God is hardening the heart of that specific stronghold or demon, and he wants to set you free once and for all. Amen? We have to see it in perspective, because otherwise we're just going to give up. We're just going to think, I'm not fit for this battle. You are fit. You are ready to take your promised land, to fulfill your assignment. But we need to understand that there is a war and that the devil is petrified of the light inside of us. So he's doing anything to to silence you. I also need you to understand that freedom, sometimes we we gun for freedom. Okay, we want to be free and we want to be happy and we we want to just get rid of 
everything that bugs us. You know, in, in this time, in the nine weeks that, that I went through, you, you get to a point where you say, God, I just want to sleep. I don't care about anything else. I need to sleep. And God just showed me, Sonica, it's not really about that. It's not about a good night's rest every night. It is about taking your land. So there's more at stake than freedom itself. There's more at stake. We can't say, I pursue freedom in isolation because then we're going to give up the moment we don't feel free anymore. It's not about freedom alone. It's about fulfilling the call that God has placed on your life. Therefore, there will be giants coming at us every now and again because you move into a new territory. You're taking more ground. Um, Slim, just put that picture on of of Joshua and uh, all the nations that he conquered. Okay, I know it's a bit small, but there's quite a few nations that he had to conquer. So what if he decided, okay, after the first four, he just wants freedom. He just wants peace. So now he's just going to sit back and then those nations are going to overtake him. Because the job is not done. The job is not done. However, there will come a time of rest. And there will come a time of peace. Verse verse 23 of, of Joshua 11, it says, So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said to Moses. There was an assignment. There was a job to be done. And then Joshua gave as an inheritance to Israel according to the divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. There was a job to be done. He couldn't just give up in the middle of that assignment because the Lord decided he's going to harden their hearts so that he might utterly destroy them. So in, in a season of difficulty that we go through, we can't just give up in the middle of it. You have conquered pretty much maybe 60 or 70% of whatever is coming against you. So now there's a 30% left and God is hardening their hearts because he wants to utterly destroy them so that the land can rest from war. So that you can move into a place of peace. So that you can move into a place of rest. But we can't just give up in the middle of the season. And we can't just pursue freedom in itself because there's a job to be done. Amen? There's a task. There's an assignment. There's more at stake than just our freedom. There's a job to be done. Just the last principle. If you are serving Jesus and you're pursuing his kingdom, the chances that you're doing anything specifically wrong is slim. Okay? It's not, it's not what we focus on. We don't focus on everything we've done wrong. There's a very good chance that you're doing nothing wrong, but that you Gaining new land. Okay, so first principle, the devil's got no power over us unless we give it to him. And we can sort it out quickly. We forgive, we bring things into the light, and we deal with the lies. So it's not a big deal. It's not a big issue if you, have, if you feel that the devil is coming against you. And then it will pass. It comes in waves, but it will pass. It will pass. We just need to hang in there. So I just want to share with you a few practical things. 
What is the goal of the devil during a, a season of spiritual war? You know, typically something I experienced the last, the last term. What is his goal? His goal is to silence us. His goal is to scare us out of our divine destiny. His goal is to put us in a corner and make us run away from whatever God has destined us to be because it's just too hard and it's too emotional and it's too overwhelming. He will do anything to scare us out of, out of our divine destiny. So how do we deal with it practically? First of all, do not isolate yourself. Please, do not isolate yourself. Please keep coming to church. Please keep coming to, to go to your small group. Go to people that you trust. Don't isolate yourself. I really feel that there's quite a few people. You've been through a difficult time over the last three months or even longer. Please don't isolate yourself. And I'm preaching to the converted now this morning. I know because you are here. But if you're considering isolating yourself, please don't. Okay, this is the little bit you can do to, 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 uh, to persevere. Seek help from people who understand spiritual things. Seek help from people who understand spiritual things. Okay, we're not against, if, if you are on antidepressants, we don't judge you at all. Sometimes it's a process, you know, that... Um, I mean, I even, I took sleeping tablets over this time that I battled to sleep. It, it, I was desperate. I was desperate to sleep. I took sleeping tablets. So if there's any guilt or condemnation when it comes to medication, let's just crush that lie now as well. Amen? There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. However, you need to seek help from people who understand spiritual things if you want to not only cope, but be free and fulfill your destiny. Amen? So seek help from people who understand spiritual things. You sign up for Encounter 4, even if it's the fourth time. You sign up. It's not a tick box. The encounters we do is not a tick box. I've done Encounter 1, 2, 3, 4. Now can I, I can relax. Oh, thank you. I'm not going to get a phone call from Andre again. Sign up. I've done it. I cannot tell him I've done it. It's not about that. It's not about that. If you must sign up for something like Encounter 4 for the fifth time, you do it. It's not a tick box. It's not a graduation and now you're done for life. We must take our land. You have a, you have a purpose. You have a calling. And you need to fight for it. We need to fight for our freedom. We need to fight for the assignment God has given us. It's not just going to be given to us. The land is not just going to be given to us. It's a war. You keep standing. Ephesians 6, if you've done everything to stand, you keep standing. Even if it feels to you as if you're not moving forward, you stand. Okay? You stand. You keep on worshiping. You keep on praying. You keep on anointing your house. You keep on having communion, even if it feels it doesn't help. Because it really felt to me in the past couple of weeks, we're doing all these things, and we're doing it over and over and over, and it's not making a difference. That is called standing. You stand your ground. And we do that by, by keep on praying, keep on worshiping. You have communion. You do it. 
You do it, you do it, you do it because you keep standing. Amen? You fight for unity because the devil wants to divide. In a time of difficulty, the devil wants to divide. He wants to bring division between husband and wife, between friends, between many people, because ultimately he wants to destroy, and a house divided will not stand. So you fight for your unity. You stick together. Okay, don't be surprised in a difficult season that the devil is going to mess with your relationships, with your marriage. It's not natural. There's an assignment for a house to be destroyed. And we need to fight for our unity. We can't lose hope. We do not lose hope and we do not give up. There's a scripture in, in the Passion Translation, Psalm 130 verse 7. Oh, Israel, keep hoping, trusting, and waiting on the Lord. For he is tender-hearted, he's kind, he's forgiving. He has a thousand ways to set you free. There's not just one way for God to set us free. We can't give up. We must keep on hoping. We must keep on trusting in him. And we have to focus on past victories. Okay? We have to focus on past victories. I'm going to read one last scripture to you. Deuteronomy 7, verse 17. Perhaps you will think to yourselves, how can I ever conquer these nations that are so much powerful than we are? So let's just, let's just call those nations by the name. How can I ever conquer my addiction? How can I ever restore my marriage? How can I ever be free from depression or fear? Let's call it. Let's call your nation by the name, okay? Perhaps you'll think to yourself, how can I ever how can I ever move this mountain? How can I ever be, be free from financial lack? How can I ever feel, feel pure again after I've, I've, I've have a, a past where I was, had sex before marriage? How can I ever, ever come to a place again where I feel pure and holy before the Lord? Those are the nations coming against us. But don't be afraid of them. Just remember, this is our, this is our tool, okay? This is, this is our, our key. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. Remember the great terrors the Lord your God sent against them. You saw it all with your own eyes. And remember the miraculous signs and wonders. And the strong hand and the powerful arm with which he brought you out of Egypt. The Lord your God will use the same power against all the people you fear. The Lord your God will use the same power against everything that is coming against us. Even if it scares you. Even if you want to, want to run away, the God, God's going to use the same power. And the Lord will send terror to drive out the few survivors still hiding from you. Which means the devil will start hiding from you because you're going to do great damage to the kingdom of darkness. I mean, and then God will just send terror to destroy them. Because God is on your side. Remember that? God is in your team. He's not against you. This is another lie. The devil wants to convince us that God is actually unhappy with us. And not, not on our side. God is in your team. The God who did all those things that you saw with your own eyes. So do not be afraid of those nations, for the Lord your God is among you. And he is a great and Awesome God. Let's just say that together. Do not be afraid of those nations. For the Lord your God is among you. Amen. And he is, say it with me, and he is a great and awesome God. Amen. God is in our midst. 
He's for you. He's not against you. So we need to remember whenever we move back the five steps, we must say to the devil, that one step I moved forward, I remind you of that. I remind you of that step. You're thinking now that you're going to get me down. But I'm thinking of that one step and the other one step and the other two steps and the other three steps I moved forward. And I remember that. And my God, my God is going to come against you because we are in the same team. Amen? I just want to share one or two, one or two more things and then I'm going to be done. In this time that, that I was battling, God showed me really, really clearly at the end. The ultimate plan of the devil was to silence me, to make me doubt myself, to feel that I am just not going to overcome anything that the devil is bringing against me. And in that moment, it feels real. It really does feel real that you're not going to overcome. And then God showed me something really, really special. I don't know how many of you have seen the Cinderella movie, the, the one that was recently on the big screen. But we all know this, the Cinderella story, hey? But I saw it with Vian when Andre was on missions. I dragged my boy there. He wasn't very happy about this movie. I said, please, Vian, please come with, my, come, come with me. I want to see this movie. Any case... After missions, I dragged my husband. Please, I want to see it again. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a movie on the big screen twice. Anyway, Cinderella, can you, can you believe it? That's made the cut in my life. But I, I'm convinced God wanted me to see it twice because he so powerfully spoke to me, you know. God said to me, in the same way that Cinderella was destined to wear those glass shoes, Slim, just show them that picture, okay? Isn't that beautiful? I know it's, it's a bit of a girly, girly story now, but guys, just, just stick with me, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Timothy. God said to me, in the same way that she was destined to wear those shoes, that it was her foot, remember? No girl in that whole kingdom could get their foot into that shoe. She was destined she was destined to get married to the prince and to rule and to reign a kingdom. It was her destiny. And no matter what the stepmom and the sisters did to her, and how ugly, you know, that I think Vian, Vian was so upset about the sisters, you know. He can't believe that they were so ugly to her. He said, Mommy, they're really ugly with her. But God said to me, in the same way, the devil comes against our destiny. In the same way that those, the stepmom and the stepsisters came against her. I mean, I know the story, hey, but right to the end, I was like quite nervous. How is the prince going to find her? I was like, this is a good plot. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not so, so good with movies. Hey? I watch a movie once every like six months, maybe, or three months. So I'm not so good to discover the plot. You know, Andre would, when, when, I, when Andre watched it with me, he said, oh, Sonica, of course he's going to find her. It's obvious. I was like stressing, how is the prince going to find her? And God said to me that no matter, no matter how good the plot is, your destiny is to rule and to reign. And you're going to wear those shoes, you know, 
God has given me shoes to wear in the kingdom. He's given me a territory to rule and to reign and nothing. Nothing, no demon, no principality, no person, no circumstances, nothing in life is going to keep me from fulfilling that destiny. It's not because of me. It's because God has destined me to do that. And all I need to do is believe. All I need to do is believe it with all of my heart. I want you to think back of Moses. Could anything stop the destiny of Moses? Pharaoh said all the the baby boys must be thrown into the river. Remember? I read up on that story again this week. All the baby boys that, that's born, the Hebrew babies, must be thrown into the river. And that's what they did. So could that stop the destiny of Moses? No. I mean, it's an incredible story. I mean, what is the odds? What is the odds that his mom is going to decide, no way, she's not doing that? Hide him for three months, put him in a basket. The Pharaoh's own daughter looked at him and loved him. And said, please get me a Hebrew woman to nurse him. I mean, but we look at the command of Pharaoh who said, kill all the baby boys. Throw them into the river. And we are intimidated by that. We say, what is the chance that I can ever fulfill my destiny? Because there is a command of a wicked ruler. But our God is great and awesome and he's in our midst. Amen? And he is stronger and he is for you. And we need to believe that God has called us for something greater. We need to believe it, that there is a destiny and there is a plan and there is a purpose and there is an assignment for you. And that nothing can stop that unless we take our eyes off Jesus. But no circumstances and no devil and no person and not your family and not your boss and not your degree or your past or your qualification is going to determine your destiny. It's determined by God. And we need to believe that with all of our hearts. Amen? We need, to, we need to believe it. There's no victory without a battle. And there's no testimony without a test. And there's no miracle without impossible circumstances. We live by faith. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? The vision of Shofar, I'm, I'm going to end with this. The vision of Shofar is, to, is the whole gospel to the whole world. The whole gospel. The vision is to reach generations and and nations and generations. So it's not about us. It's about our children and their children and their children. It's not about your life only. We're fighting for so much more. Okay, we can't just give up. It's about a legacy that God is calling us for. And the the vision of Shofan, if you are finding yourself in this church family, it will be, it will become part of your heart. You know, that we want to reach nations and generations. And we want to raise up leaders. And we want to make disciples. And we're going to take the world for Jesus. Okay, I needed a bigger one, but... Amen? We're taking the world for Jesus. Amen?